we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends of pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source, we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, and we do need all the help we can get on a day like today after such a poor effort. Please go ahead and help us out by like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football. Of course, the great folks at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check out LakersBall.com with Ox1947. You know they're not very happy over there, but check out what they're saying anyways at LakersBall.com. Plus, as you saw, Joe flaunting right there, Simblades. To support his company, if you live in the SoCal area, Simblades with a Y.com, please go ahead and have your lawn transformed and help out Joe after a game like today at Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. The Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. Join Stone Hansen, the guys, as they go ahead and evaluate the NBA Draft like no one else. Wherever you get your podcast at the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. Magic Man in the Morning. Every Friday morning, he's going to be talking a lot of good stuff, including this Friday, where he know he's going to be talking about a Game 3 preview as the series goes back tied. So go ahead and help him out today by supporting him at the Lakers Fast Break channel for Magic Man in the Morning. Laker Tom, you know he's not happy. He's going to tell you why at Lakerholics.com, along with our good friend Jamie Sweet with his five things. He knows five things on tonight's game will not be as good as the Sunday game. So go ahead and join him at Lakerholics.com. Plus also as well, go ahead and support us again right there for you at Lakers Fast Break. Our Playback.tv live watch party was not exactly that fun this time around, but my gosh, the one-liners were flying. We were still trying to laugh it up. We were still talking food, cooking, life, basketball, and so much more. So go ahead and join us each time around for all the, I guess, antics that only we can provide right there for you at playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. And if you could do all that, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, with the Lakers coming into game two, knowing just beforehand that John Morant was going to be out with that hand injury, the Lakers, again, were put in a situation where they were playing against a wounded animal. And as the great magic man, Sean Grice, once said, be careful of a wounded animal and that you take it for granted. And that's exactly what the Lakers did as they could not generate consistent offense for four straight quarters. Their defense still not very good at times because of the way they just did not stay on the shooters on the outside. They let Xavier Tillman on the inside do a number on us as well. And the Lakers, unfortunately, just miss a golden opportunity where they couldn't even get close to tying the game. The closest they got was six points in the second half, and the Lakers unfortunately lose 103-93. to Just very disappointing effort, generating no offense, no movement at all. Outside shooting was horrible. Austin Reese, he is not him today at 5 of 12, 12 points. D'Angelo Russell, we're still trying to look for him with only five points and seven rebounds. LeBron James, 12 of 23, 28 and 12, but unfortunately one of eight from behind the three-point arc. And Anthony Davis, 414 for only 13 points. 
Rui Hashimura, give him credit. He took all the flack online. They said that he couldn't get it done again. He scored 20. Give him all the props in the world. But the rest of the bench was absolutely miserable as the Lakers, unfortunately, could not get it done today. So many issues all around. But first man up, first man here, good man indeed. He's going to go ahead and, you know, tell you why you need to check out later in the show, the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. But he's going to tell you right now what was wrong with the coaching today because a lot of it starts with the coaching when it comes to a loss like this. It is Stone Hansen and Stone all around just a terrible performance by the Lakers. Really could have taken advantage going back 2-0 to L.A. You know, everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, we got to split 1-1. Everything's great, fine and dandy going back to L.A. But still, this is a game that they should have had as well. Yeah, this is unexcusable and kind of pathetically ridiculous. We have an opportunity. Jaw is their best player, obviously, and he's not playing. You have a golden opportunity to go up 2-0 and go back home. The Lakers did not take advantage. They blew They blew that golden opportunity. Um, and as poor as we played execution-wise, uh, I, I do think, like, overall, um, just our players didn't play great. Uh, we missed a lot of shots um, that we probably should have made. Uh, and, you know, we expected after the last uh, game that we weren't going to shoot to that same level. I think that uh, nobody really expected us to be, you know, at the same level of, of shooting that we had that game. But um, I think really all of our problems tonight stem from coaching. Um, I, I'm not excusing how the team played, but I, I think the coaching is at the, the nucleus of everything here. Um, we commended him and, and praised him for, you know, the absolute great coaching display he had in the first game. I think that uh, we are all in agreement that's the best coaching that we've seen from Darvin Ham this entire uh, Ham era. Uh, but I pointed out that, you know, we've seen 83 bad games, sample size of coaching from him, and that was one good one. Uh, if he can keep that up, we have a great shot at winning this series. If we if Ham doesn't coach like he did in game one, we have a zero chance of winning this series. We cannot win a series if Ham coaches like he coached tonight. Um, and I'm not even paying attention to rotations or anything. I don't even care about that at the moment. If you are playing the same defense that you played in game one without any adjustments, not thinking that uh, uh, Jenkins, excuse me, is, is not going to adjust to what you did in game one. It's foolish because Jenkins is a great coach. They saw exactly what we did defensively in the first game. And because you don't want to adjust what we did, uh, he, he's going to take full advantage and call our number on that. Um, you have no jaw, so you have no reason to play this cramped court defense, right? You have no, there's no reason for, on, on in the third quarter especially, over and over we saw open threes because there's four Lakers, and sometimes in some cases five Lakers, where it, all of them had one foot touching the paint or inside the paint. We're playing this cramped defense, and they're all spread out, and when we they go and pass it to the corner of the perimeter for a kickout, we now have to scramble over to get there. If we get there in time, which happened a few times, they'll pump fake for a flyby, get an open shot, or drive into the lane and draw a foul, 
or drive into the lane in the mid-range area and pull Anthony Davis out and you have a second cutter that goes straight to the rim for an easy bucket. They just did this over and over and over again, and we had no response to it. There is nothing, what, no adjustment. What you're saying is they played like as if John Morant was still in the game. Exactly. They were playing exactly like John Morant was. The whole point of a cramped court defense is to limit driving, which is what Jaw is is best at, correct? But when you have no John Morant, that element is no longer needed. You do not need this defense. And now you're dealing with a five-out or four-out offense, um, and there, there's no adjustment made to that. Um, I talked about it last game, and it made me frustrated. We got the win, but we didn't we had the same defense for the entire game. There is, there's no adjustments, even within last game. Um, and it worked for us because we got the win. We got the outcome that we wanted, but there's no adjustment made for 48 minutes. And tonight we had no adjustment for 48 minutes and played the same defense that we played in game one. We didn't even change the defense from one game to another and, and played. It's bad enough that we play it for a full game, but the fact that we're now playing it for a full series is even more concerning. Um, we we are you know playing this defense that's not needed that the Memphis can pick apart because uh, Jenkins is a good coach and knows how to exploit it. Um, I talked about right before we got into the playoffs. The playoffs are a matter of exploitation and minimization of exploitation. That is what the playoffs are, and the coach's responsibility and job is to factor both those th- both those things in and and you know make the most of them if you look up and down and who's in the playoffs right now ham is by far the worst coach in the playoffs uh i think doc rivers is the only guy that comes close but ham is is by far and you look historically who has won or gone far in the playoffs it's good coaches ham is not that as long as we have Darvin Ham, I'm sorry to anyone that thought, you know, we might have a shot at winning the championship because they had a really good stretch to end the season. That's not possible if Ham is the coach. You can only go as far as your coach can take you in the playoffs. And I know people don't want to hear this, and I know people are going to get mad at me because they believe in the Lakers and they want us to win. So do I. But I'm just being realistic here that you cannot win if you have a bad coach. It's just not a reality. And Ham is not a good coach. And he's not able to limit the bleeding of these exploitations. And he's not able to adjust exploitation-wise. And if you look at our offense, we had, I talked about it last game, sets like horn sets, double guard pick and rolls, things I had never seen him pull out of his bag before. And I was like, what is this? This is great. It's working. We're getting results from it. In tonight's game, there was none of that. We ran not a single pick and roll against Xavier Tillman using anything other than a non-traditional pick and roll, which is what, you know, gave us some uh, preferable outcomes in the first game. We didn't have that in this game. We didn't run a single horn set. We ran no sets. If you watch, if you go back and watch this, if you have league pass or something, and I would implore you to do that. If you watch the Lakers, every time down the floor, it's somebody post up and hope that somebody cuts. There's no offensive scheme. There's no offensive set. It's just figure it out and hope that somebody can cut as somebody else posts up. And usually that's LeBron or AD and hope that someone can cut. And the Grizzlies are able to adjust and bring in two defenders into the paint and clog everything for that. And there's no spacing. There's no 
movement in our offense. It's stagnation, which Gerald points out a lot, and he's right. And there, there's nothing because there's no one knows where to be on offense. No one knows what to do on offense because there's no scheme put in place. There's no set put in place. So now everyone's left wondering, what do I do? What is my role on offense? Because I don't have a defined position. Um, and if you don't have that, then you're going to get these same results game after game. So the Lakers had, you know, a golden opportunity. The Sacramento Kings are who we want to match up against in the second round. They don't have, they're not playing against Draymond in the next game. They're up 2-0. We have a golden opportunity to win this series, move on to the Kings and win that series because we match up really, really well against them. But our coaching is holding us back and we will not do that because Darvin Ham is our coach. So that is my rant to begin. Um, obviously, you, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty mad and upset. Uh, and this is not going to change as long as Darvin Ham is our coach. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. The Lakers do unfortunately lose 103 to 93. That was Joe Sor. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, Stone Hansen for you right there from the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. I'm going to turn over the show right now because I got to go ahead and take care of something right now and I will be back. But the man I'm going to turn it over to is a good man indeed. He's the mastermind behind Simblades, Simblades with the Y.com and also as well, LakersBall.com. You know they're not happy on Lakers ball, and you know this guy is spearheading it as Oxide Team 47. It is Joe Soro, and Joe, I don't know if you could top that one today. That was a pretty good rant by Stone, a.k.a. mini Joe Soro on that one. I would I, I would go with what the contingency has already started, which... And just to let you know, guys, you guys handle your mutes because I'm going to be uh, checking on out. I'll be back. Yes, thank you. Uh, is Stone... Stone has Stone in his name, Stone Cold Hanson. That is a great name. So we're gonna when when the crowd gives you a nickname, it's all the all it's all for the better. And sometimes when you're on a team sport, you let the hot hand score. So for tonight, for those of you who are listening, I know you were probably expecting a rant uh, from a different direction uh, tonight. Uh, wanted to relinquish and assist stone cold Hanson in allowance of that rant uh interpretation of tonight's game uh, was it is an interesting one i i the, the grizzlies before the game tonight had a record of 37 and 24 without john morant playing which means now it's 38 and 24 that's a pretty good record considering john morant is really the only bona fide star you can say triple j is a star sure but i don't think he moves the needle in terms of star like a john morant and i don't know anyone else on there i can get into the details of the coaching but i think stone kind of already went through all that what what i don't understand is why aren't you 
why are you not putting these guys in a position where you know they're going to succeed? So let's use AD as an example. AD was getting fronted. AD was getting physical. AD missed the first two or three shots, and it completely destroyed his confidence. And you know why? Because you didn't go back to him the rest of the way. You should have kept feeding him. You're talking about a guy who played 38 minutes who only had 14 shots. And this guy is your arguably your best player and the guy that can get you two points very easily. So I think Darvin Ham made a huge mistake not going back to AD and putting him in positions to get the ball deeper to the basket because he was getting fronted, because he was getting physical. Well, then you got to then set up an offense where you can get him deeper into the – and I've always had that issue with that anyways, but because AD is kind of a different breed where he's got more of a perimeter thing that could go and all that. But in this case, you guys had – you know, I don't know if he was afraid of Triple J or whatever, but you you I'm, you should not be afraid of Triple – you shouldn't be afraid of anybody. You're AD. And I think Darvin Ham really missed an opportunity to get AD involved more throughout the game and it just never happened after the first, like, five, six minutes because, you know, sometimes it happens. You miss shots, and, you know, it is what it is. But the only way you're going to get out of that rut is if you keep going at it, you know, and they didn't do that. And LeBron was – LeBron playing this way, even though his numbers were good, is not a winning formula. It's just not. You know, him taking uh, Steph Curry threes is a, is a detriment to the offense because as soon as he misses that shot, you rarely get that rebound. And then – the chippies, you know, guys like Austin Reeves and, and and D'Angelo Russell, they they couldn't make any 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 shots even within the two foot two to three foot range. Looking at the boss court tonight, you had your two point guards. Now I don't count LeBron as a point guard, even though he is, but you had your two point guards and D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder have a total of five points. Five points. So that's 30 minutes played by D'Angelo Russell, 16, point, 16 minutes played by uh, Dennis Schroeder. That means for all but two minutes, your two point guards got five points. And by the way, one of those guys had as many points as all of us watching right now. A goose egg. Can't do that, guys. You know, if, if Schroeder has 10 points tonight and if D'Angelo has 12 points tonight, would you say we win? I'd say pretty good because those guys missed shots in parts of the game that would have changed momentum. And that's another thing that I always want to preach when I'm, when I'm telling people when you're watching the game. Pay attention to the momentum plays. Why is Rui having two of his best games right now? He's making timely shots. He's making smart decisions. He's going to his strengths. He didn't force any threes. When he got guarded in a way, he would able he would he would he would use his footwork to get a better shot. I mean, this is standard basketball, guys. This isn't you know rocket science at that at, at this point. So, going on a rant wasn't really my plan tonight. I I just if this was a regular season game, which it really did feel like a regular season game to me, honestly, I think that's probably why I wasn't heated. Was it just felt like the a January game? It's, it felt like a January twelfth game in Memphis when maybe two people were watching and then, you know, that, that, that's, that's what it felt like. There was no excitement in this game. There was never any kind of, even though they got close a couple of times that you never felt like they were going to, they, they were going to push over. You just couldn't, 
They didn't have it in them tonight. They didn't have the coaching on their uh, making any kind of adjustments that would warrant a run that was legitimate. And now here we are. We're discussing a lost opportunity. If this was, if this game had Jaw playing in it, I probably would be less upset because you know it is what it is. You got the split in Memphis. Now let's go win the, the two games at home. But the fact that Jaw didn't play and Triple J kind of hurt his ankle and he still didn't take advantage of it. That's 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 not good. That's not good. I hope they can clean themselves up. The only way they make up for this loss is they got to win the next two games. You win the next two games, uh, all is forgiven. However, and I'm going to end it on a bad note, unfortunately, Stone is saying something that's going to hurt, guys. I don't see us going far, or and I saying far as in title, winning the title, with Darvin Ham as the coach. So even if they win this series, even if they beat Sacramento, I mean, they would have to go all the way for us to, for that to change. But then that would mean Darvin Ham coached well to get there. So we're going to, we're going to get a little bit of, you know, an understanding of that here, uh, either very soon or, or in the distant future here. So that's kind of where we're on that. So Sean, I, I know I was saying this on our private chat, but I got to say, you look dashing in that new lighting over there in Toronto. We were pretty animated tonight on playback. For those of you who are not on playback, you got to be on playback. It's it's just imagine Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, but without the douchiness. Just you know, especially from you know, <laughs> especially from Eli. I mean, Peyton I like, but Eli he's always got this pretentious, just aura about him, like he's fake. I don't know. That's just not my, my interpretation. But Sean. What can you throw into this? And don't forget to unmute. What can you throw into this that we haven't already said and that we can feed the audience even more information than we already have? Uh, first of all, Mr. Soro, I think most football fans, including myself, actually agree with your take on Eli Manning. But I digress. It feels like I've got like a like a 95-year-old prostate right now. In a 35-year-old man's urinary tract system, uh, after what I saw, that w- it just makes me want to just bleed from the eyes for the rest of my life, as George Carlin would say. Just terrible, Joe. Terrible. Like, lethargic is too, like, lethargic is too uh, fancy a word to describe just how... They came out and like it almost felt like all five of them had the flu the night before, and they just decided they were gonna just give it a go. That that's what they were playing like. It felt like a total flu game by the whole like. And there's no such thing as the Beale Street Blues. Like there's not a whole lot to do in Memphis. There's like barbecue, and I don't know what else you could do. Maybe fish. So it's, it's it's not like there's a grand nightlife out in Memphis. So it's this isn't a case of them going going partying and coming back wrecked and and playing a game. They had two days off, and we got this we got this as an effort. Memphis didn't really change much defensively, like small changes, not even worth mentioning. But their their rotations were crisper, and we missed shots. That 
that was essentially the big difference. They kept they kept the same game plan with AD they had in game one. We're just going to switch. If Brooks is on him a possession or two, I don't care. If Tillman's on him a possession or two, I don't care. Triple J, like Jenkins is willing to live with us switching on AD defensively. And, I mean, he, it's a 1-1 series now. So it, it's been working for him. It was working in game one. We were just hitting our shots. Yeah, so this loss is like a 60-40 split between players and coaching. Yeah, I wasn't I didn't really like him and like the lack of adjustments he made, but also D'Angelo Russell sagging off Luke Kennard who shoots well over 50% from 3 is just inexcusable. And I've heard over the past couple hours from online and uh, in our in our chats that well, you know, Sean Delo isn't a isn't a very good defensive player anyway. So does it really matter? That's not the point. That's not the point. This is a playoffs. You have to know your personnel. You can't sag off Luke Kennard four feet and just give him a wide open three. It's it's inexcusable, inexcusable. How did you guys feel about Vando on Tyus Jones at halftime? I thought that Vanderbilt on Tyus Jones is fine because I think that Tyus Jones is going to be the primary initiator of the Grizzlies sets uh, and Bain is going to be the primary finisher of those sets if it's not Triple J. Um, so trying to limit those those initiations, I get the thought process behind it. I just don't really know if matchups matter because if you're not playing a a defensive scheme conducive to the personnel that your opponents are. I don't think matchups even really matter as much because uh, they just immediately get mitigated by the type of defense that you're running as a whole. Yes, because, I mean, as much as people may point to the fact, well, you could put put Vando on Triple J. Well, you know what? Vando's a great defender. LeBron's a a very good defender. You're not stopping Triple J. It's 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 pick your poison right now. I think Stone with Memphis, uh, and now that I think Jaw's going to come back for Game Three, Ham's got to make some major adjustments, and not like not these small little tinkering. No, he really needs to watch a lot of film and see the mistakes that were made. That that was inexcusable. And you know what? A, a, a coach can't do much about effort other than sit your ass down if you're not playing well. But, I mean, who is he, like Joe was saying, who is he going to go to? Between Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell, you got 23 shot attempts for 17 points. That's not good, especially when Schroeder gives you zero. So that's 17 points between three guards. That's not good. That's... I don't care if Jaw wasn't pl- is playing or isn't playing. You're not beating Memphis if your guards are only giving you less than 20 points. Good commentary there, uh, Sean and, and Stone. Uh, Lakers uh, fall to the Grizzlies in game two of the first round, 103-93. Uh, some of our uh, chat uh, constituents are, at least one of them, I'm going to kind of hit them up a little bit and give them some, some credit here. Uh, they're, they're thinking we might be a little too negative tonight. Now, I kind of anticipated that. I didn't want to come in here being predictable. Stone is not being predictable. Stone has a legitimate, 
problem that he's making aware of everything. And, and, and I, I have that same mindset on that, I, that, that, that this is not a, this is not something that just happened tonight. This has been an issue. And if you guys want to, if you have DVRs or if you can download the game and, and watch this game, Scarlett for you specifically, I want you to watch the offense being run when LeBron is, 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 is at the point and watch how the offense moves. It's very easy to spot. It's very easy to spot what's not there. And when you're struggling on offense and you have no movement, it's worse. Now, here's what I love about the NBA, just so that you know I'm not inconsiderate and I'm sure Stone will respect this. One of the things I cannot stand about college basketball is the is, is the team-oriented offense. What does that mean? Pass, 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 pass. Try to find a little gap, shoot. Try to find a little gap, get to the hole. I can't stand that basketball. Can't stand it. Never have, never will. NBA, you can get away with individual performances. That's the whole point of the NBA. We, we, we champion the individual, and the individual has a huge effect on the game. The problem, though, is when it's not working, that's when you have to fall back to an offense. Example, when Michael Jordan was approached by Phil Jackson that they were going to run an equal opportunity offense, Michael Jordan thought Phil Jackson was out of his gourd, okay? He thought, what the hell are you talking? No, this is not going to work. You guys saw the result of that. Again, because why? Well, for those of you who used to watch basketball back then, I was a little young, still remember some of the games. The Detroit Pistons would let Jordan do his thing and close everyone else off. And if you don't have anybody else involved in a team sport, you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage. Once you opened up that team offense and you got John Paxson hitting open shots, you got uh, Horace Grant hitting the 13-footers, you got Pippen initiating the offense and dishing and, and dunking and allowing Jordan to freelance. Guys, I know it sounds like it's complicated, but it's not. The only thing is there are more talented players than not in basketball. But after that, it's about coaching. It's about fundamentals. It matters. And, of course, shot making. So going to that tonight – if I'm going to put it on just a simple performance situation, Memphis hit shots tonight. We didn't. We as in the Lakers fandom players, whatever. I know some people don't like saying we when we're not part of the team officially, but we're, we're Laker fans. I say we. So we weren't making shots tonight. We just weren't. And that played a huge part in this, and a lot of that was because you just couldn't create opportunities for yourselves when you're deficient in certain areas. So with that – our hope now, and I'm going to try to segue into something a little bit more positive. Yes, we have two days off again, should, which should help. Uh, I thought this was going to help, but it didn't. It was a lost opportunity because Jaw wasn't playing. That's probably why the irritation is there. If Jaw had played tonight, I would not have really – I would have said, look, you know, this is a good team. They're at home. They're going to win. And they had never lost a game two in the playoffs. I believe they were 4-0 before the night was over. And still, kind of statistics matter, guys. Look at the statistic I said before where – they were 37 to 24 without Jaw. This team seems to have, you know, kind of a level where they can go to when their main guy's not there. That's a, that's that's what you call a good team. And hey, guys, they're a second seed. This isn't some schlep rock team. So with that, Stone, I'm going to come to you to start this out. We have two days off. If, oh boy, I can't believe I'm asking this. If you're Darvin Ham, God help us all. What is what are you preparing? For Saturday's game 
in a game that's going to be the first Laker home game of significance of a, of a real playoff. I'm not counting the play-in. I'm talking this is the first home playoff game in years. How are the Lakers going to react to that game? Well, if I was Darvin Ham, I would go back to what works and then evaluate what doesn't. That's the, the two biggest questions for the Lakers are what did we do in game one that worked and what did we do tonight that did not work? Um, you got a win in game one. You got a loss in game two. What went wrong in game two? What went right in game one? Uh, and I think the simple analysis of that is offensively, like I've already stated, we had sets. We had schemes that we ran. We've In 83 games, that massive sample size, we had not seen that. In game 84, we see that and we get results that work. It's the best the Lakers have looked in any point in this entire season is when we ran sets and we ran uh, a scheme. And that's what worked because we got our guys in positions where they knew what they were doing offensively. They knew where to be. They knew what to execute offensively today. I mean, you could see, like I said, again, over and over there, like four times I counted in a row, they're giving it to LeBron, feeding it into the post, waiting for someone to cut down the middle and the Grizzlies know exactly what's happening. It's, it's, it's figure out your own offense because we don't have one set in place. If you go back to game one, we got results, so I would continue that. Why would you go away from something that worked so well for you? The other thing defensively, like I said, is I would adjust. If Jaw is playing, which I would expect him to, I would continue this defense with some tweaks and adjustments. Uh, I know Sean mentioned Dilo sagging uh, off of Luke Kennard, and I agree that's unacceptable. But I think I disagree in the the symptom of why that was. I think it's I think it's planned. I think it's schemed. That's what Darvin Ham is telling his guys to do as part of this defensive scheme is stay away from the three, soft softly, you know, um, pressure them once they get the ball, but or or before they get the ball. Uh, but then once they get the ball, you know, we obviously come too far and they they take us into the mid range or the paint, um, and. That's just not a viable thing. We saw it in game one even. We got the win, obviously, because our offense was much better and Jaw was playing, so the defense was a little more conducive to what they were doing. But we sagged out, like, re by design, was sagging off of Santi Aldama twice, but by, like, 10 feet, and Aldama got two wide-open threes. We are sagging off of Bain. Um, it doesn't really matter who it is. They have shooters at any point during the game, and our plan is to not play up on them it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me so i would tweak that adjustment for sure um and yeah i mean i think ultimately like unfortunately as much as i want us i want these adjustments to happen and i want us to win this game i don't have any faith in him whatsoever to make these adjustments we've seen it for 83 games now like i I don't know how much more we need to see before we keep kidding ourselves and fooling ourselves into thinking it's going to change. It's, it's the definition of insanity, right? It's like they're doing the same thing over and over. Ham's doing the same thing of not adjusting um, and not making the right changes. And we are getting the same results of disappointment and we're going to continue to get those. Um, and, and unless Ham coaches the way he did coached in game one, which again, I will give him full credit. I thought he coached a fantastic game in game one. 
Uh, there are a couple of tweaks like I've already mentioned, but overall I thought it was a very good coaching display. If he coaches how he did tonight for the rest of the series, this series, or if he doesn't coach how he coached in game one, the series will be over in five. The, the series will be, we, we will not win this series. and It'll be a quick series because the the Grizzlies are too good and their, and their coach is too good to not exploit what Darvin Ham is doing game in and game out. There's just no excuse for what Ham is doing. And there's no way that Jenkins does not exploit that. So all that said, I think that the Lakers have a roster capable of going as far as being competitive and going as far as us Laker fans would want. I do not think, I think the coaching has to be equal to that. Historically, you look, it's only good coaches that have won. Ham is not a good coach, so we will not win. And you have to have that as a part of your ecosystem in order to go far uh, as a Laker team. And uh, as I said earlier in the season, the whole Lakers MO is just we're too late to everything. We're too late moving Westbrook. We're too late not moving on from him. Eventually, we're going to be too late not moving on from AD and LeBron, and they'll age out before they have any value left in them that we can get out of them. The Lakers are too late at doing everything. Um and unfortunately, it's going to bite us in the butt, and it's going to be too late when we fire him. And the window of really competing with this roster that is capable of it will not live up to his capabilities because we'll be hindered by him, and the Lakers won't get rid of him in time. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Lakers lose game two of the first round against Memphis, 103-93. Sean, you had mentioned something that I thought I was the only one that that caught, uh, that I caught, I was the only one, I thought I was the only one that caught this at the end of the game. You saw LeBron James coaching Darvin Ham. That's a bad sign. So for those of you who might not agree with what Stone's saying, you, you all you got to do is look at the visuals. Uh, even if you're stubborn enough to say, look, I don't, I don't believe it was Darvin Ham's fault and we just didn't play well. There's some truth to that. They didn't play well, didn't make the shots. But why is LeBron James coaching Darvin Ham towards the end of the game? That's I don't, I don't remember Kobe Bryant coaching Phil Jackson or – or, or Michael Jordan coaching Phil Jackson when they were playing. It was basically getting this damn huddle and let's draw a play out. So, Sean, what is your assessment on that particular situation? And how can we get back to Darvin Ham coaching LeBron James in game three on Saturday? It's often said that you got to stick with what works, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't know why he decided he needed to. Uh, take the uh, the back of the uh, the guitar open and switch everything up again. 
after you came out with uh, a great game plan. It was almost like an ambush. It was almost like an offensive ambush that first quarter. He's running one three pick and rolls like Stone was saying. He's running double horns. He's doing stuff I hadn't seen him run all year long. And he went away from that. They went away from the element of surprise in game two and just decide, yeah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna play the same way we played in game one. And you know, it this is the NBA playoffs. You give you give scouts and coaches time to adjust. They're gonna pick you apart, man, especially when you got a really good staff. Like I, I know uh, I know everybody wants to give props to Jenkins and that's that's true. But his staff is really good too. Like he was a he was a first time head coach himself when he got that job. But he's managed to put a competent, confident staff around him. I'm not feeling the same way about Darvin Ham, Joe. I don't feel that he has a strong coaching staff. I think there are obviously strong coaches in the staff, but just collectively it hasn't worked this year, Joe. You know, Phil Handy is a really great developmental coach, but he's more of a one-on-one, working to hone your individual skills, so to speak, rather than five-on-five. So... It almost felt like 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 Ham was behind the eight ball ready with the uh, with the lack of of uh, of a strong staff. Add into the fact that Jenkins is a better tactical coach than he is, and plus now you've got a thirty eight year old legend basically coaching you up and trying to let you know. What's not working? I, if it was me, if it was up to me, I would, if I was LeBron, I'd go, look, you're not running anything right right now of any kind of competency. We, let me take over the offense, but we've seen what happens with that too. It's just, he goes into the post and it's usually an ISO and, He's not adjusting off the double or triples either, Joe. Like, I know we want guys to cut and guys to make their shots, but if you're LeBron, you got to come up with some better ideas of your own than just grabbing the ball uh, 12 feet away and trying to uh, bait a team into a double, and you're hoping to to get triples off that. It's just it's, – it's, hey, man, he loves playing NBA 2K. That's what it feels like a lot when you're watching. That's what it feels. It almost feels like a video game. Guys bunched up. You clear out one side, and you get an isolation on the other. It just it it looks it looks like crap. It really does. It, it and you you could say, oh well, you know, Sean, maybe maybe it's not a traditional offense. There's a lot of there's a lot of misdirection, or there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, optionality into it. Not really. No, it's it, it just LeBron's uh, LeBron's been a virtuoso passer his entire career, and he can make it look like a functional offense, even when it's a pile of shit. You know, Stone, you might not have been here when I used to use the analogy of uh, LeBron James is very similar to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, many say, including myself, should have won more championships in his run. He was 
arguably the greatest regular season quarterback. I, I, I don't argue that. I think he is. He's the greatest regular season quarterback that I've ever watched. This is before the really lackadaisical rules of today. This is, you know, he had been around since 98 through 2010. That That's the basis of where his career was. So can't sit there and say, well, you couldn't touch Peyton Manning. No, you you could touch him back then, but you couldn't touch him. And you still could touch him in most cases. So with that, when you have someone as dominant as LeBron James and Peyton Manning and, and uh, self-proclaimed geniuses of their, their sport, you and I say self-proclaimed. I'm not saying that Peyton Manning wasn't a genius. I'm not saying LeBron isn't really good at knowing basketball. The issue is a lot of times is when to let go, and who is going to convey that message to you. So when you look at the coaches, I know Tony Dungy gets a lot of praise. I was never impressed with Tony Dungy's head coaching skills, set aside from his defensive philosophy. He was really good there. Anything else wasn't really. He wasn't great. He was good, but not great. LeBron has never played with a great coach. So what happens is in those two instances, you have two players that are dominant, the dominance and the dominant of their, of their, their sport, and they are the alpha and the omega of that offense. This is what you see. You see an all Peyton Manning offense. You see an all LeBron offense. Whatever philosophy the coach has is really irrelevant it's going to just go through them, and they're going to be running it. They're essentially the coaches on the court. So my question to you, Stone, on that is, do you think do you think that that might be one of the main reasons why Darvin Ham can't coach an offense? Because LeBron's the quarterback of this thing, and LeBron wants to do what he's doing for the last 20 years. To a degree, maybe, but I think that ultimately you – two things the number one thing would be ultimately as a coach you have the responsibility to establish the relationship coming in of what the authority balance is right you that's your job as the coach to establish that um if you want to make sure that lebron has the uh, a large amount of input in what is ran and, and how the team is ran then establish that from day one and be like, hey, you have this much amount of input. I have the final say, whatever the case may be, regardless of however that conversation went when him initially got there. I think that it's it's pretty it's beyond clear at this point that Ham is just not good at coaching. Like I, I, I think that LeBron LeBron has declined. I think that is also undeniable. You see in the half court, he's not as explosive around the rim. The open court is a bit different, so don't get on me that he's not super athletic anymore. Around the rim, he's just not the same level of athlete. He is not the – he's had, like, a lot of bad turnovers in the final, you know, 10, 15 games that we've watched. LeBron's declined a little bit. I'm not saying he's bad or anything. He's still an elite player. But he's he's not the 2012 LeBron he is. So LeBron and him need to come to terms in terms of what the authoritative balance is, what how much input should each guy have. But the matter, the fact is, Ham has no input to give as to how this team is run because he has no X's and O's to his name. He can motivate all he wants, and people want to say that oh, Ham's a great motivator, yada yada. Sure, I'll give you that if if that's 
eat what you want. I, I'm not in the huddles, so I don't know beyond what they show in the two-minute wired clips on TV. Uh, I'm not in practice, so I can't really attest to that. But let, for the sake of argument, say he is. That doesn't really matter unless you have the X's and O's as well. You need both as a coach. If you only have one, if you're only an X's and O's guy and you can't convey those X's and O's to the team properly in terms of relatability and how much they um, respect you, that doesn't matter. If you are only a motivational coach but have no idea how to run a team in terms of the X's and O's, the motivation is a moot point as well. There's, there's no... There's no one or the other. You have to have both. And and it's very clear, I think, we've had however many games at this point, 85 games, that there 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 is no X's and O's for Darvin Ham. There isn't that. So regardless of, you know, how much LeBron runs this team or anything, it's up to Ham ultimately to implement something. Something when when LeBron, like you mentioned earlier, Joe, if the stars aren't getting what they want or the looks that they want, there needs to be at least, at the very least, some sort of backup plan that you can go to and be like, you know, at least we have this set to rely upon to get us a spark, to get us something going. But if you don't even have that, then there is no point to being the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's just what it is. I I don't really care at this point if people disagree with me because I've watched for 85 games now what Darvin Ham is, and I have my own conclusion now. I don't need one more game to see if he's going to adjust, to see if he's going to be something else. I already know. I already know what he is. So to say that he might change, you're fooling yourself. Um, I do think that this team is capable of going far, and I think under other people it may go farther than what it will this year but ultimately the lakers don't have the the necessary x's and o's in place to make everything happen so that's just what it is and unfortunately i wish i was wrong but unfortunately we have 85 game 84 games and one good game of of good coaching as evidence to to back that up Coming hot and heavy, baby. <laughs> uh, Joe? Got... Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like to chime in with something here. Um, it's really important. I'm getting uh, I'm getting hammered uh, by my people, by the a way. Lot of, a lot of people uh, – there's a lot of talk about right now possibly inserting Rui into the starting lineup and putting Austin Reeves back on the bench. That would be a huge mistake. Huge mistake. First of all, he really didn't have as bad of a game as people are making him out to be. His first half wasn't good, but he finished with 12-5-4, which isn't terrible. He just didn't have any help from his other two guards. A coach can't build your confidence, but they can kill it real quick. And I think if Ham decided right now to put Austin Reeves on the bench, I think that that might uh, that might head him. Well, I'll tell you what. If if that happened, Stone Stone Cold Hansen's assessment of Darvin Ham would only be solidified more. We're not looking for a different starting lineup here. We're talking about adjusting uh, for each game and adjusting quarter by quarter, if possible, or per series, if you have to. At some point, a team that's I know this team hasn't been together this whole year, 
which might be playing a factor in that. I don't know. Well, we're talking about Band-Aids at this point. Like, this team doesn't need Band-Aids. It needs it needs surgery. Well, it's it's I think I think to some degree we might be overreacting on the loss. Well, the the issue is there there's just there's too many dike there's too many holes. Well, I know in what the we're dike. Yeah, I know what we're looking at. We're looking and at you it wanna, from a you you want to fill the the hole that has just popped, but when you try and fill that dike, another couple pop out. This is what's happening. It's yeah, going it's, to continue to happen. It it, it it's so game one showed me a little bit of what's possible. Whether they can be consistent that way is what we're kind of waiting for. I don't know if I'm yet going to go to the the abyss yet, although the Darvin Ham thing is not something I'm, I'm, I, I can disagree with. It's just he's, he's – you can tell when someone knows what they're doing. You can just tell. There's plenty of rookie coaches that I've seen. Hell, some of them won championships recently even. You know they know what what they're doing, and and, and Darvin Ham unfortunately more, more often than not looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. If you don't know what you're doing, it's very hard to win a championship, and that's the problem here, guys. We are here to win a championship. If the Lakers don't win a championship this year, this is an unmitigated failure, regardless of all the unfair things that have happened. Oh, we have to wait till the trade deadline to get our players, and that's you know Stone said that it was too late to get this thing fixed, and he's right. But at the same time, we had no choice either. These players were not available in December or in January. They were available right before the deadline because that's what these guys did. They use it for leverage to see who's going to bite, who's going to do this. And they, the Lakers did what they had to do, and it was a success. It, it, they got better players, better youth. They, 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 did a, they, had a great, they had a great trade deadline. It was, it was great. However, I have said that this team needs a training camp. And I say this team as in everyone that's on the team. Unfortunately, we're not going to have everybody come back. However, I hope the core guys that you've gotten that would make an impact are coming back. And then at that point, we'll have to wait and see for sure if this is a real problem, whether it's coaching or guys that are not motivated or whatever. So I don't know. I I I I want to I want to let this series kind of develop a little bit, guys. If the Lakers come out on Saturday and play well and win, and they do it again on Monday. We're not talking about game two anymore. Now we're talking about can we close this out in, in, in Memphis? Probably not, especially if Jaw's healthy, which, by the way, I don't think he's going to be healthy this the rest of the series. So if the Lakers lose this series with a gimpy jaw, they just lost without him playing. That's really my issue, really, like what's really bothering me. How do you not take advantage of their number one guy, a guy with that kind of talent, and you don't go and, and win that game? Because if you win that game, the momentum is a completely – Memphis would have to go seven to beat you, and they'd have to win two games in L.A., and I don't think that would have happened. But we're there. This is what it is. We're going to have to figure out what, to, what we're going to do next. Again, the Lakers couldn't take advantage of tonight's game, lose to the Grizzlies, 103-93. Uh, A.D., I'm going to kind of revert back to A.D. here. A.D. went 4-14 tonight. And that number is the only number that's really kind of stuck on me. Usually I pay attention to that BLK because he made some defensive moves tonight. I was just like, he, he jumped, landed on his back leg, and still blocked Triple J's jump shot. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing that before. I never saw someone 
jump, somehow quickly land on their back leg, and then use their other hand to block a shot all in the same motion. AD, if he plays a full season, is the baddest defensive player in the league and would win defensive player of the year every year if he would play a full year. That part he did really well in. Unfortunately, we could not get him the ball deep into the post so we could take advantage of his offense. And that's something I would say. If you're going to look at anything on tape for the next two days, never go into any game. Here comes the rant, guys. Never, never go into any game. I don't care what's going on in that game. You never get away from AD deep in the post. Ever. Stop doing that. I don't care if he misses 10 shots in a row. He'll make the next 10. I watched him almost have a Bill Walton game, for God's sakes. No. For those of you who don't know what that means, Bill Walton missed one. Was it one shot at UCLA uh, during the champion? Was it a championship game or the Final Four? I can't remember what it was. But point is, AD can go into a mode where he doesn't miss. You do not stop feeding Anthony Davis, especially when he's playing defense like that. Feed him the ball. I don't care what's going on. If you're not getting shots for him, at least he'll open up things for the guys because I didn't see any spacing tonight at all. I barely saw any open shots. If that if there was one thing that Memphis just, I mean, really hammered the Lakers in tonight is they we didn't get any hardly any looks from three. Just, we just didn't because we weren't going, we weren't doing any kind of inside out. We weren't doing any kind of pick and roll. We weren't swinging the ball well enough to the other side of the court. We weren't doing anything because I don't know. I guess we'd have to ask Darvin Ham that. But again, I know I know Memphis played a good game too. You got to give them credit as well. Sometimes the other team plays well, but again, you have the talent on this Laker team to adjust. Okay, offense is number one right now. It's not defense. No matter how good your defense is, offense still rules. You got to take advantage of those guys that can hit shots and give them space and definitely feed the guy that's your number one guy down in the post. So that's that's what I'm going to be looking for in game three. Stone, I don't know what else uh, we can discuss in terms of the inefficiency of the coaching, but I, I'm thinking let's let's talk more about how are we going to run this offense on Saturday with the crowd behind you this time instead of playing on the road. Uh, I know the Lakers have been playing really well on the road, but I, I'm thinking first Laker home game that that has any meaning in the playoffs for a very long time. Are they going to be motivated and ecstatic? And I'm turning into Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live. Are we going to come out and say, this is our house? By the way, Jeannie, Rob, I want to see the golden armor on. Saturday and Monday. I don't want to see that purple crap. Okay? Laker gold. Laker gold. Saturday, Monday. Win those two games. Game two is a memory. Then you have a chance to close out either game five or game six. I do want to make sure that it's clear that I'm not excusing how the Lakers performed tonight. Uh, obviously, I'm blaming a large part of it on the coach, but I do think that we played poorly tonight as a team, too. I think that um, both things can be true at once. So just to clear that up. But I think that in game three, we're obviously going to have to shoot better than we did tonight. Uh, game one, like I said, it's we shouldn't be that shouldn't be the expectation for every game. It's an outlier. We shot exceptionally well in game one. 
I'll, I'll leave how we got to that point with the coaching for another time. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but in game two, we did not shoot well. Um, game three, we're going to have to find some sort of medium from three, right? We shot, uh, what did we shoot tonight? Seven of 26 from tonight. That's not going to get it done. Uh, you guys have to shoot better in order to keep us in this game. Um, they have to, as you, uh, Joe, were stating, get AD closer into the paint. Uh, I think that that uh, really needs to be a focus. And I think that um, in order to get better looks from three, if you're not going to implement a system, uh, you have to do more of the uh, pick and if we're going to go the simplistic route, right, of doing pick and rolls, uh, I think you're going to have to run pick and rolls that are non-traditional with guards. I think you're going to have to make sure that you're doing uh, a lot more driving with LeBron. Uh, LeBron, I think, can't be this guy that's getting into the mid or high post, stopping, and then waiting for somebody to cut. Uh, I think you have to do more of LeBron doing live dribble passes, uh, LeBron kicking out to guys in the corner, kicking out to guys uh, as he's sucking in help defenders. Um, and then I think you have to make sure that you are um, <clears throat> taking advantage of the personnel that is in front of you. If Triple J is setting, sitting, uh, I think you attack Tillman as much as you can in the pick and roll. I think if you are, um, if Triple J is in there, then again, you, you try and do what you can to bring help defenders, uh, get interior passes or kickouts to guys that are on three. Again, this is not my ideal outcome. I think that there's, more complex ways to get better results with your coaching but because we're at a point where i think this is where we have to be and look at things in a more simplistic form um these are the resolutions i would come to um and hope that the ham would come to for game three yeah one one small adjustment that he wouldn't make that kept pissing me off the whole game is that you know well not everybody knows, but if you're if you've watched enough basketball, you know that Memphis, particularly Bain and Tyus Jones, are pull-up threats. So when that pick and roll adjustment came, the Lakers didn't adjust. They 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 just didn't adjust at all. And Tillman was the benefactor of that because all he did was run downhill and get easy lobs or easy laps because there was absolutely no resistance there because the Lakers were just afraid of the threat of Bain and or Jones pulling up and they just just couldn't couldn't have those crisp uh, rotations or communication. It was bad. Like, did anybody hear any communication defensively? I didn't. I didn't personally. Normally you hear AD barking out, um, what he's seeing, or even Vando, but there was none of that, none of that to start out the game. My eyes were always set on the offense. The defense, because AD is so amazing and he can cover ten guys at once. I, I, I guess maybe I don't. My 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 interpretation skills are just not all the way through on defense. Although, you know, Memphis just Memphis was a step ahead. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They, they just seemed like they could get to the hole. and Everything was a, a layup for, for a lot of those shots. But offense, on the offense is really what I've noticed, where just standing around, guys standing around, and you're looking at a professional basketball team that plays like a, like a YMCA team because that's how we play when we play at the gym. 
You know, everybody's standing around. No one's doing any cuts. No one's, I mean, maybe we'll set a screen every now and then. I mean, they play the same way. And you don't see LeBron demanding someone come set a screen for him so he can open up the lane a little bit for himself and then hopefully dish it out to an open three guy when, when guys are, you know, sagging off or whatever. But I guess it's different, I would say, if I'm going to give them a, a little bit of a some leeway. is These are professional basketball players, and you're talking about the, the number one league on the planet. Maybe it's harder than we think. Maybe it's harder to do those things because you can't attach logic to why are you standing around? Well, maybe there's nowhere for them to go. Maybe they haven't set anything up. Maybe they're not confident. You know, and, and speaking of that, uh, one of the things that absolutely needs to stop is Jared, Jared Vanderbilt. Can you please stop playing like Ben Simmons under the basket, please? <laughs> You're making dart passes literally a half a foot from the basket. And, and where are you passing? Two guys are right there. Where are you passing it to? Just shoot the ball. I'd rather have you miss than turn the ball over or make a dumb pass. Hey, you might make the shot at least there. So if I'm Darvin Ham, because I do like Dan Vanderbilt in there for defensive purposes. Matter of fact, I think he was the only one that had any <laughs> relevant plus minus, which was eight. It was plus eight. I think he was the only one that was in the plus category. So, Jared, stop passing the ball under the basket, for God's sakes, and, you know, just get, you know, go for it. If you missed a shot, it's okay. It's better than turning the ball over. And with that, Gerald, Stone's given us his, uh, I mean, he's. Notice? He's Don't been, quit on us now, man. He's been pretty I've stone been cold. Sean has been pretty griced up. We're waiting on you now. What's, what's, what's your anticipation for Saturday's game? Are you seeing the, temp, the pendulum going back to the Lakers? Not that they're going to play their first meaningful playoff game. At the crypto.com arena. Crypto.com arena. It's Staples. What is your assessment on that? Can we bounce back? Will Darvin Ham be a good coach ever? We already know Stone's answer on that. And Sean, I think he's kind of given us the answer on that. And you know my answer. What do you think, Gerald? I've been hearing it all up and down the 95, what you guys have been thinking about the coaching today. No, I don't trust Trudell, Lajan. I don't trust anyone. I don't trust anyone who's a company man. Because those are the type of people who look the other way when bad things happen. You know, you can say that all you want in the locker room. It's like, yeah, we got one. We got one. You know, this was a golden opportunity that you missed. And uh, I know thinking about it, along with what you guys were saying on the, you know, as I was going back and forth on a 95 here in Vegas, I will say that the defensive end, you know, if they just played out a little bit more on the shooters, you held them to 103. And for the most part, that's pretty darn good. You know, if you're saying to to me that, hey, we're going to hold the Memphis Grizzlies to 103 points, you know what? Defensively, even despite the fact they didn't get out on the shooters as much as I'd like, I, I'd say that's a pretty good job on defensive end. It's just the offensive end is so unimaginative at times, where it's LeBron just dribbling, looking for AD, looking for a post-up, contested post-up, three people, two people on him all the time. And you've got three people standing on the other side of the court doing absolutely nothing. No cutting, no movement, no screens, no pick and rolls, no nothing. Very unimaginative on that end of the court. You're not getting any transition. Of course, the, they weren't getting much transition on the other end. 
which is, you know, obviously good because, again, you're holding them to 103 points. But when you hold them to 103 points and you can't even do that in the modern NBA, that's that's very disappointing. That just tells me that you have an offense that if LeBron and AD aren't clicking, that it's really, really up, uh, hard for the other Lakers to go ahead and generate any kind of offense. We saw Austin, he wasn't him today, you know, basically didn't, he wasn't able to go ahead and get to the line wasn't able to snake and do his maneuvers where he's able to go and cut through the lane. You know, just disappointing. Very disappointing on the offensive end. Uh, defense, yeah, it was pretty good. I'm but, sorry, uh, Gerald. I, I I bet you're not – I bet you you're 100 – you just – I, 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 I would almost – I would bet the house that it was freaking him. Sorry, Gerald, go ahead. Go ahead. What, what Finish up what you were saying. I, I think that, that one. Okay, so Mike Trudell votes. He has the voting power in you know the NBA, right? He can vote. He's allowed to vote, right? Oh, because that one second place vote. I, yeah. I when I heard that on the, I didn't even think of that. And then when I when Sean just said, I was like, son of a gun, you know it was him. So him that's or what I was telling you, but company company guys. Okay, I'm not talking about loyalty to a company. I'm talking about a guy that has his tongue so far up that corporate's ass that. He, he speaks for them. He doesn't it's again get... that privileged group of Lakers, that Lakers group core, that Lakers inner core of reporters slash uh, bloggers slash whatever that are all just tied in with with each other. We're on the outside, and we can sometimes see a lot clearer because of that. And that's something I think that that benefits you, the audience out there from the Lakers fast break, is that we are giving you this analysis free of worrying about, oh, whether we're not going to get a interview with LeBron or AD or not. You know, that's something that we have to go ahead and make sure and make clear is that we don't have those biases, obviously, that, that, you know, others are seeing. Mike Trudell, I like as opposed to Joe, but when you call Darvin Ham the number two coach of the year, yeah, that's, that's not I mean, seriously, guys, is that it's it's a Fred Hickman thing in a lot of ways. Fred Hickman voted for. I love Allen Iverson, and I thought he had a great 2000 season. But Jesus, Shaquille O'Neal arguably had the greatest individual season in sports history, not just NBA, sports history. He won the scoring title. He was second in rebounding, third in blocks. Won the MVP, the league MVP. Won All Star MVP. Won the championship. One finals MVP. How the hell do you vote for anyone but that guy in 2000? And he played, what was it, 70, 78 games. Are you out of your mind? Like, this is wrong. Like, this is stupid. You should be called out for that. And I think Sean, I'm putting Sean in the position right now. I'll pay for, for his bail or whatever. You go to that Laker media. You find a way to get a media pass. Gerald, go talk to your guys at USC. I'm sure they could find something on there for you. I know how to get them. Go get them over there, and you call that freaking size 8 boys section suit-wearing Mike Trudell and say, why the hell did you put Darvin Ham second in the voting? I wouldn't have put him second to last. I would have put him last. And and Stone would have even put him on the ballot. I just yeah, think I, I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't help it. I had to rant tonight. You guys were asking for it. I had to give you it. You know, here. Robert E has been. He's in the chat, and he's been a great supporter of him, and I commend him for that. You know, and defensively, we we obviously can't complain because they've taken the Frank Vogel defense and continued it as far as that end of the court. 
It's the unimaginative, again, offensive schemes that we continually see time and time again that you're solely based on LeBron and AD. And in the playoffs, that's so easy to scheme against Joe and Stone and Sean. It's just so easy to scheme against LeBron and AD. It, you know, And this team has more talent now after the trades than that. They can do other things besides just isolating LeBron and AD all the time. I, I think for us, for 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 our fans here who are on the chat, number one chat in the in, in the game, let's let's look at this after all the you know dissecting of this thing. Let's look at this as a one-off. As much as it kills me to say that, because again, Ja Morant was out. This was a golden opportunity to take advantage of that, and then you wouldn't have had to have worried about what happened after that in terms of his availability if he's coming back full strength hey you want two in memphis i just don't see the lakers losing four of the next five when they have three of those at home so that's the bummer here however lakers can make this game go away if you win at home saturday and monday so let's start focusing on that so we give some of our guys out there that want some positivity and that's, that's, that's something we could take is that yeah. the Lakers do go back tied one, one. It's just that I know that feeling in the, in the plane heading back home by all the Lakers right now, they're like, man, we blew this. They I don't know. If the, I, I, that's a great question too. That's a great assessment. That actually wasn't a question. It was, a, it's a great thought process, but a little bit of me thinks, I don't think they think that way because this wasn't a close game. If it was a close game, and they were like inches away. I mean, they were close. The, close, the closest but, they got. But it was one of those games where even when they they took it down to six, you, I, I didn't feel like they were going to come back. I just Those games are always there. I, I've seen enough basketball to know. Sometimes I've seen a game go to three, and I'm like, eh, they're making that run. They're going to run out of gas. Next thing you know, it's up, up to 13 again. I don't think they came into this game focused the way they were supposed to. I, 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 I'm sure they were motivate, motivated to – win the game, but then once things didn't go right at the beginning of the game, they just could not catch up, and they couldn't adjust, and Memphis just kept going, keep hammering them, keep hammering them, keep hammering them, and they kept hammering and hammering and hammering, and Memphis did not make any mistakes in this game. So you were already behind the eight ball right off the bat. The other team didn't make any mistakes. They have the home crowd behind them. The coaching tonight was light years better than what you did. Of course, this is going to be a loss. But the problem is you lose when their number one guy is out. And you only gave up 103 points, Joe. 103 in today's NBA, that's a good defensive performance. The problem is you just couldn't get it done on the offensive end. No transition. You weren't getting any fouls. You know, just driving to the lane and getting those fouls called. You know, the free throw line. It just The things that we've seen the Lakers do well in the past month, in these 29 plus games that they were 20 and nine going into the past 29 games, we just not seen them do tonight. And that was disappointing, especially like you said, with, with jaw out and, and that, that had to change their whole structure, how the way they play basketball stone. Uh, I mean, I'll leave it up to you, my friend, to share some final thoughts on this, but again, we want to go ahead a little bit more positive note. Again, we felt really hard about what the Lakers needed to do on a day like this and take advantage of it. And I know you, how you've been talking about, uh, you know, the coaching, but man, all it takes is one, one game to turn around. Could that game be on Saturday? 
I mean, it could. Like I've just stated that the Lakers have the roster to do it. That's not really the question for me. I think the Lakers have the talent. I think the Lakers have to view game three. The Lakers need to view game three as if it is their winner go home game. Um, if if you go down two one, it's not that bad in in retrospect. But if the Lakers go down two one, losing this game versus Jaw, and then losing another game with Jaw, that's pretty deflating to lose two. Uh, one when you had a golden opportunity to win when Jaw wasn't there, and one in your first game back to the Lakers arena in a full playoff mode that hasn't been there for years. We haven't been in the actual playoffs for a bit. If you lose those two games, that's going to, you know, take the wind out of whatever cells are left pretty quickly. So I think that they really have to view every every game is vital in the playoffs. I won't I won't pretend that no game isn't vital, but I think this one, um, however much you can say, is even more vital uh, with that sort of with those circumstances in place. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. The Lakers do lose 103 to 93. Joe or Sean, any last thoughts before we head on out, my friends? So our esteemed colleague, Nick Molina Jr., just sent the link to all our emails. And I've just copied the link to our chat room. Stone, you want to close your ears on this one? (laughs) LeBron coaching Darvin Ham. It's worse than I'm saying it. So watch it at your own risk. So for those of you who want to badmouth Stone Hansen, watch that video. And if I catch you in a dark alley, I'm going to kill you. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. I haven't killed That's anybody. A joke. And That's I don't a know. Joke. <laughs> that is a joke indeed. But uh, Sean, any thoughts, thoughts before we head on out, my friend? Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true that like, a lot of our flaws got exposed, but we knew that, you know. Unfortunately, we have a couple players who who aren't exactly two-way players. When Russell's offense isn't going, he can't really do much for you defensively. And we saw the reverse with Vando. When Vando, if Vando's defense isn't rolling, he doesn't give you anything offensively either, Gerald. So it's kind of a sum, it's kind of a sum zero effect with those guys at best, because one is great defensively, the other isn't, and the other one is a great offensive player, and the other one isn't. So we just got the worst aspect of all of those guys. On top of that, AD only has fourteen shot attempts. Why is is kind of unexplainable at this point you're a number two option it's a playoff game you need to have more than than 14 shots especially considering the fact that D'Lo and Reeves almost had as many as you did so 
Uh, a lot of things didn't go our way tonight. Um, I'm hoping for better adjustments in game three. Actually, Alex had a really great question. He he posed this. So what specifically would you change in the game plan, Gerald, to get AD going offensively in game three? I would make sure you spread out. That situation where you have LeBron dribbling like, 20 times right in front of AD and just getting it over to him, making it so easy for the defense to go ahead and double and triple team him. You need pick and rolls. You know, I didn't see much in the way of pick and roll action between LeBron AD or D'Lo and AD. Try D'Lo, just something with AD, either Schroeder, just anything as far as creating opportunities for AD to roll and make it easy for himself to score the basketball. Spread out a little bit more. But also, when he gets the ball or LeBron gets the ball, try some movement, either ball or man movement. I've been saying this all year, like again and again and again and again. Ball or man movement needs to be more predominant in our offense. You need to have some more energy. You just need to have some more creativity in the offensive scheme outside of just LeBron and AD. Because again, in a matchup where the defense is paramount, and these, these teams, even the Sacramento Kings were seeing as far as turning up their defense like up like 10 notches in the playoffs. you got to make sure you're a little bit more creative on offense to keep that defense off of focusing on one particular thing. So that's probably what I do. Uh, that's, that's the first thing I do is just create easier opportunities for AD to flourish and also be more aggressive in driving to the basket and getting those fouls. Don't be afraid to get a block by Triple J. Just try to go ahead and get that ball a little bit more aggressively to the basket because they're better in transition and they're better when they're getting to the free throw line. And because we've seen it all season when the Lakers are really getting to the free throw line, they can take over a ball game. So I'll leave it at that. But again, the defense, I can't really complain too much on outside of just honing in a little bit more on the shooters, but, you know, holding them to 103 points was was uh, the only bright spot. And hopefully if they do that again on Saturday, they should win because you cannot get two straight 93-point performances from the Lakers. I think, I think that even the Lakers will find it easier to be in transition and to be more effective on the offensive end at home. So, guys, it's been great conversation. The chat room has been outstanding once again. So many names, so many new names. I, I'm just so appreciative of everyone being a part of our conversation and chat today. If you have not subscribed already, please do so to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break. We've got Lakers snack packs all over the place. Friday morning, guess who? Right over there, right there. He is going to be going ahead at Magic Man in the morning right there giving you a, a you know a little bit of an update of what's going on with the Lakers game as they head into game three. You know we've got more NBA observations, Lakers snack packs, so much more, plus also post-game. And again, as Joe said earlier, Joe mentioned you got to be part of our playback. Playback.tv slash Lakers fast break. We break it down for you live as it's happening. Stone is magnificent on that. Joe, he is really Joe. Uh, you know, uncut Joe there for you. And what are you trying to say? We, I'm trying to say you're pretty uncut on our playback.tv. Call me an a call me an a hole in front of everybody now. No, but I have on playback.tv. Break. <laughs> and, and Sean, he was a little bit raw on this show. He's even more raw. He was actually getting feisty with Joe on playback.tv. Fast break. 
Everybody there were, to get some fingers were flying. Yeah, everybody <laughs> gets feisty with Joe on playback.tv slash sacred fast break. It's kind of amusing, I actually think. Because I can get under everyone's. Well, actually, the way the Lakers were playing tonight, that got under my skin. I told you I had to check out and go ahead and make some food. Look, Lonnie Walker would have been the key to the game. Should have got Lonnie Walker in there. <laughs> yeah, should have got Lonnie Walker. You know, for fried chicken's sake, let's go ahead and get Lonnie Walker in there. Anything would have mattered as far as to get the offense going, and I don't think that would have been a bad option. Although, again, Laker Tom, you know, Mo Bamba, you know, Mo Bamba was the key not getting him in there. So Stone, I would have taken a beer vendor over Dennis Schroeder tonight. Oh, Got as God. many points as him. Well, you talked about it, Sean. Two good games, <laughs> one bad game, and one okay game. He's had his bad game and his okay game. So it's, you know. Now we're yeah, going to get two good the, ones. We're getting, we're getting the good ones. You're right, yeah. Gerald. You're right. We're getting, okay. We're getting the good yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have got Giambi in there. Yeah, we, we should have yeah. got Giambi in there. You never know. Absolutely. But Stone, go ahead and let everybody know again why need to, people need to check out the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. <laughs> I do know that people were – we're asking about it, and, and I know you had updates for him on stuff that you recorded this week. Yeah, um, we just dropped a new episode today about some some wings. Uh, Chris Murray and Jalen Wilson, Jalen Slauson, Jaime Hawkins for Laker fans that happen to also be UCLA fans, such as Laker Tom, and then uh, Alex Fudge as well. So those are the names we covered in the latest episode that dropped today. Uh, for anyone interested in guys that might be going at pick 17 or 47 for the Lakers or even undrafted free agent names that we could look out for. Uh, we'll be covering all of those. Yeah. So hopefully I didn't make too many people mad today and, and they don't hate my guts and, and don't want to listen, but you know, I was frustrated. So I let my feelings be known. <laughs> Stone. you. Are I'd rather be Dylan, you. Alex. I'd rather be Dylan. Okay. I was gonna say, wouldn't you want to be Pat Bev? He's looking to get thirteen to fifteen million this summer. That's what he said. So I'd rather be uh, a, a limp deer in, in Komodo Island than Pat Bev. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And Stone, don't worry, you will never, ever, in your wildest dreams on this show, hit the heights or the the lows as as Joe's hit. You know, according to all the uh, the comments and the emails that I've got. But you know, Joe's he brings them in. And he also sends them home, indeed. So, yeah, yep, he gets them one way or the other. He's going to get you watching and listening. And that's that's great for us here at the Lakers Fast Break. Just like your awesome analysis, Sean's great stories, and, and everything that he brings with his analysis, and Laker Tom, Jamie Sweet, Nick Molina, who stopped by today for the snack pack as well. It's such a great crowd that we have as far as it's concerned. I feel so blessed. Got so many great opportunities here at the Lakers Fast Break to go ahead and provide you the best of coverage. Kenneth Stone, also as well, John McCallion, also as well, L. Rob. So many great people as part of what we do here at the Lakers Fast Break. Cannot thank them and you enough for being a part of it. So for Stone Hansen from the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, Joe Soro, he's the man indeed from Simblades, SimbladesWithTheY.com. And go ahead and check out the new logo, by the way, his new logo, his work right there. And also LakersBall.com and Magic Man, the morning host, Sean Grice and Gerald Glassford. We'll be back tomorrow to go ahead and see what we can refocus on now that we've had, now that we'll have 24 hours to think about more about today's game. Hopefully we'll go ahead and, and, and think about more stuff that we can talk about on tomorrow's shows and or show 
and then also as well on Friday for Magic Man in the Morning as well. So for Joe Sorrell, Sean Grice, and Stone Hansen, it's Gerald Glassford. Once again, the Lakers do lose 113-103, but the Lakers go back home to Los Angeles, tied 1-1. That's got to be a good thing, and hopefully it will continue to be 3-1 by the time they head back to Memphis. But we'll find out this weekend right here at the Lakers Fastback Podcast.